Okay, nope. perfect. So continue. Beautiful, beautiful. So um, George, thank you for being here. I'm Carrie Lake, and this is our next episode for Animals of a New Earth. Um, I'm here with George Bronet and the Mustangs that he cares for out in Colorado. Um, I am, I'm just so happy. Thank you so much for saying yes to playing here, George, because what, um, watching you and your videos with your horses has, um, it, it's excited me more than I can bring words to just because I get to watch another human feeling the way I feel working with horses that are, um, that have been through a lot that ha that have not had good experiences with people that are uh, just don't have the experience of being connected with humans and what I see you doing um it just speaks on so many levels that I also love to play at so um I would love to give you a moment to uh, to introduce yourself how you'd like people to know who you are and um then we can go forward Oh, goodness, that's always fun. Um, <laughs> my name is George Brown Eyes. I usually go by Brown Eyes because nobody ever gets my name right. So, <laughs> Perfect. And it's fine. It, it can be pronounced anyway. It's just a name. What's in a name after all, right? Yep. Um, so I'm here in western Colorado um, in the heart of Colorado wild horse country. I've got three horse areas north of me and one south of me. So I can be to any of them on a, you know, furthest one away is a four hour drive. The closest one's probably a two hour drive. So, you know, wild horses are in my backyard and no one thinks twice about a two hour or four hour drive when you live in Western Colorado. That's just part of life out here. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, I've got 16 Mustangs at my ranch. Uh, six are mine and 10 are here on various, um, under different agreements. I've got some that are just boarding here. I've got some that are here for rehab, um, some I'm fostering. So it, it's kind of a hodgepodge of things, but um, I leave things as non-structured as possible. Beautiful. The horse do have shelter here, and there's another shelter over here. And they've got five acres to be out on, other than a couple of horses that I may be working with. And they've got some cottonwood trees up and coming. Up and coming cottonwood trees, somewhere over there, <laughs> which will provide more shade for the horses. But the horses do not go into stalls at night. They aren't put in a barn. They, 24-7, they have free, free range of the five acres. And I'm going to open that up to probably another two or three acres. So they'll have eight acres and it ends up being dry lot. Um, horses can be hard on the ground, but at least I control 100% what they're eating. I know what they're eating. So, and, um, so multiple personalities. The youngest horse here is four and the oldest is 20. So. Amazing. And there goes Shadow. There they go. <laughs> so, so anyhow, mm -hmm. um, I the horses that come here are, hi Kira, 
horses that come here are horses that um, are said to be untrainable, um, have had training issues. I say they have issues with training, not training issues. <laughs> Brilliant. There's a big difference. Yes. I've switched this around. Yeah. Just so, so there's Kira. Say more, please, about that difference. Because um, I think for some people it's a, it's subtle. Um, and so will you just it's and it's profound. Yes. Um, you know, Kira was a kill pen rescue. She probably ended up in a kill pen just because she has some confirmation and physical issues. But she's a very, very sweet girl and she's got incredible skills. She's probably going to be an incredible healing horse working in some sort of equine assisted therapy. She is just a sweet, sweet girl. But people gave up on her because they couldn't ride her because she's got a bad back. Right. Um, so, you know, there's so much more for a horse than just riding. Um, but back to training issues um, or issues with training. And I don't even think it's issues with a lot of tra I mean, some trainers are very heavy handed and the Mustangs just don't take to that because right. Mustangs more than any domestic, if they can't escape, they're going to fight you because out in the wild, um, it's fight or flight. They will choose flight almost every time over fight, but a lot of training situations put a Mustang in a place where flight isn't an option. Right. And so they turn around and they fight. And they end up hurting somebody. And then the next thing they know, they're at the sales barn and a kill buyer picks them up. Oh, exactly. Because uh -huh. it's, it's a huge difference between um, the human perspective of behavior and the, uh, the equine perspective of behavior. I mean, humans are the ones with all the terminology. Humans are the ones with the systems that say, here's how you should respond because you're a horse. Mm -hmm. yeah. And horses are saying, but here's how it feels. Yeah. And I, it, they don't go to that an analytical place of, you know, stopping and rubbing their chin. Should I fly, fly or should I fight? You know, they're, yeah. they're constantly communicating what's working for them. And um, if the system's not working for them, they're going to let you know. Exactly. And they are, um, you know, domestics on the whole will, again, horses are flight animals. They're, their first choice is to flee right. to safety. You know, it's not so much run from danger, it's to flee to safety. Yeah. Um, they're looking for a safe place. And if they can't flee to safety, then they're gonna have to fight. Yes. Um, some Mustangs will shut down, you know, they'll go into a freeze, but most Mustangs, I mean, freeze is like very far distant third option. Because if you freeze out in the wild, you're, mountain lion chow absolutely you know you're 100 percent vulnerable or your wolf pack chow i right. mean up in wyoming you got wolf packs and and not not a big horse like rango who's 16 hands tall and probably 1100 pounds and big bone yes um and very handsome but, yes um so yeah i mean a mustang will fight where most domestics will freeze yes and, and um, and again, that's just survival. They've been out in the wild, multi-generational. Some of them have been out in the wild since the, you know, 1500s. Right. So, I mean, that's hundreds. He has 500 plus years. 
so that that is that is 500 years ingrained in their dna that you know we we flee when we can but we fight if we have to absolutely and to me that's a point of a, a, a another distinction you know we can again we're humans we have definitions for things and we label everything and so we look at horses and say they are prey animals and so mm -hmm. they develop this this uh survival strategy that's all human thinking to me the way when i go to my heart to look at who horses are and how they function in the world the words that always come to me is that horses are a species that intend harm to nothing they're simply Correct. being who they are they're doing what they do and this this to me describes why they always choose flight first like there's harm here i'm going you know i'm out i don't need to be part of this and and of course translating that to survival of course that means you know there's a predator coming to take the body for food i'm out and it's a different to me it's a, a a different way to talk about survival expression yeah yeah and it's and again it comes down to survival it's fight is not their first option right. unless a human has trained it into them and I've seen that in Mustangs, that flight is never given an option because they're either um, confined where they have no out, so their only out is to fight, right. or, you know, their, their fear goes through the roof, and then, you know, fear goes high enough, you're going to fight. Well, yeah, it's and that, and that, that, is, that comes from poor training from a human. And you know the the dominance, and and unfortunately, it's still part of horse training. Um, well, it's, it's still considered the norm, isn't it? Um, you know, I think nowadays it's kind of probably an even split, mm. which is a good thing. But even those that aren't going, um, you know, true dominance, where you're you're you know cross tying a horse or you're snubbing a horse to a post or you're you know, you got a horse's leg rope, so they can't, you know, all these things for confining a horse or putting them in a squeeze chute or, you know, things where they truly are confined, where flight is truly not an option. Mm -hmm. Then they will fight or they will hurt themselves trying to get out of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's still, you know, there's still the edge of dominance has really come down. I think a lot in the past 10 or 20 years, mm -hmm. it's still out there. Mm -hmm. And I think it still will be because some of the most, um, um, horse trainers that you hear their names bounce around all the time are still kind of over on that dominance theory side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and even, even assertiveness can be taken. There's a fine line between assertive and dominance and yeah, and that um, even assertive um, can rub a Mustang wrong. You know, it's like, okay, I don't know you. Why are you being so assertive with me? Um, that, exactly. That's not how things work in the wild. Exactly. Um, and in relationships in general. And in relationships, exactly. I mean, you can have an assertive relationship or a relationship where you do have you know a narcissist is in the relationship holy cow right um and unfortunately in the horse world 
it attracts a, a large number of narcissists and people that do have that um, desire for dominance. And maybe they're, they think they can find it in a horse because they're not finding it in another relationship. They but, well, and, and because horses have this, this presence and consciousness where they truly intend no harm, they mm -hmm. are constantly this, this communication of here's how it feels to be me, show me about yourself. And mm -hmm. there, there is an absence of threat just in, in their very presence unless you bring it to them, you know, mm -hmm. and then you're going to get to get to experience their response. And I think humans that, that are um, consciously or unconsciously looking for control, um, looking to avoid themselves, um, are, are often drawn to horses. I mean, I've been there myself. I've gone through that. And this is um, a huge part of what my journey has taught me with horses is you know where i have been avoiding myself and they constantly show up asking who are you now who are you now in the moment the moment i'm willing to be honest with myself they show up right next to me and say okay there you are this is where we feel good together this is safe and you know safety is is a that presence that you feel where you you don't feel like running you don't feel like fighting and you're open to something else happening next. Yep. And that's, you know, partnership and friendship. Let me walk out here. Um, so there's Clarissa. She's 20 years old. Mm -hmm. One of my two old ladies. But if you go out here, you know, I'm looking out here. We've got couple horses laying down. Hi, Kira. How are you? <laughs> and, and you've got a lot of horses just resting and standing together, but not, a, they are together. They are not a one of them is physically touching another, mm -hmm. yet they're touching each other mm -hmm. energetically. I mean, there, there's so much, um, energy at rest out there arresting energy right now that you know it truly is healing yes. they're, they're deep within that parasympathetic um you know they're they're resting and they're digesting and they're they're healing right now and and 80 percent of the time a wild horse hi kira that's what they do 80 percent of the time unless they're moving from point a to point b for food mm -hmm. um and again, they are, they got an incredible energy reserve if they need to, so they can run away, so they don't have to fight. And, and they're not using that because they want to keep that reserve. And they're not thinking about it, you know, they're not right. premeditating and planning that maybe at some point, you know, my boss is going to come and I'm then I'm really going to have to dance. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. that. Again, humans unconsciously project uh, human analysis onto animals in order to understand the animals ways of being and how to interact. But really the, and the horses especially are, are an invitation to feel your own response rather than um, come up with something based on what we what we predict might happen, and that's the beauty of horses. Like you said, they rest until they move, 
and when they move it's because they feel that there's movement and now they move and um it it's a completely different presence that that is constantly sort of constantly healing simply because it's genuine all the time yeah and again any we're, i think one one thing with horses is everything they do they do it for a reason mm -hmm. there's reason behind it it's not you know people will have agendas false pretense what have you a horse what they do they do because there is a clear-cut reason if if they're drawn to you it's because they're drawn to you if they run from you there's a reason and then we got to kind of check ourselves and go okay why is my you know why is this horse being spooky today is yeah. it me and the in the environment what have you but they are very genuine very very genuine unless that's been you know forced out of them yeah yeah you know, and this this makes me want to go uh, into talking about listening you said a little earlier about how uh, about training you were talking about training and um that horses have problems with the training there and that there are people that are using dominance in their training still um there's a huge difference between bringing training to a horse and listening for how we can work together mm -hmm. to me the listening my the conversation i want to bring into the world is all about listening what listening is what it feels like and can we share our listening in a way that doesn't necessarily require words listening right. doesn't necessarily require words although humans use a lot of words i find it rather ironic but um what what w prompted me to want to have this discussion with you is the video of you with ms bailey's um from a while back where and i if you're all right with it i want to put a link mm -hmm. to that um, right on the youtube of this conversation um but the watching that you were 100 percent listening and you were moving your body was moving because you were listening to me that video is a profound opportunity to be a teaching tool um because what you made available is the visual along with the sensory along with the decision making all evident in one video um, and you can watch Ms. Bailey's response to you. Um, so what I would like you to talk about, at where I want to start and ask, ask you to talk about is a lot of people when they're working with Mustangs or they're working with difficult horses, that um, the, wisdom, the conceptual wisdom is you have to move their feet and, mm -hmm. and therefore you are the one in command of the conversation. Hi, buddy. <laughs> He's so great. Um, so in that video with Miss Bailey's, your feet were moving with hers a lot. And yes. sometimes your feet moved first, and sometimes her feet moved first. And what I would love you to talk about, please, is um, 
are you in that video making yourself a force to move her feet or are you doing something else please i want to hear you talk about it uh, yeah that's um yeah i mean that's traditional thought and and i'm doing air quotes natural yes. <laughs> um that you know you need to move the horse's feet and okay to a point i mean there 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 is some logic behind that but when you watch and and i'm fortunate to have a herd out here that you know i come out here and have lunch and just watch the herd or i can you know in the evening i can put my feet up and have a beer and watch the herd and and that's one of the things that i've always been interested in moving the feet who moves feet first um you know when when there even if there is a little spat between a couple of horses um it's sudden and it's over it doesn't draw on you know that one horse say um i don't know clancy gets upset at at lucy or whatever and he drives lucy off and she may move she may take 20 steps and clancy's like okay i got my point across i'm done i don't need to go any further so, you know, this, you know, running a horse in a round pen for 20 minutes, you don't see that in horses. You will see, you know, your feet move and then I'm done. I got my point across. You know, you don't have to keep, you know, pounding that into the ground over and over again. Um, for me, when I'm um, slow dancing with a horse and i like using that slow dancing because it is a slow dance sometimes the, the horse and i don't need to always be in the lead sometimes the horse is like oh let's do this i'm like okay i'll go along with you and then it's like oh well let's try this um but a lot of it is is just kind of a you know it's a dialogue and the feet are part of the communication um and, so when, and or it's like, oh, I'm just going to go with you. I'm not, you know, I, I, I can still, you know, if I need to, I can drive a horse, but I will just drive them, you know, a few steps and then we'll work on reconnecting. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. So when, so you're talking about, um, you know, Clancy pushing Lucy off and for whatever reason, you know, 20 steps or 22 steps is enough. And Clancy's like, all right, you heard me. And he stops, right? As a mm -hmm. human, as a human being, slow dancing, being with a horse, how do you know when it's enough? When, right. what does that feel like? Because again, you know, there's, there are training systems with all sorts of analysis and you got to look at the behavior and you look at this and you analyze with your eyes and your brain for when to move this arm or wave that wand or whatever it is. But behind all of that is a feeling. Yeah. It's hundred um, percent sensory feel through the body. And so when you're with Miss Bailey's and, you know, she puts her right foot forward and shifts her weight to that right foot, how do you know whether to lean back or move with her, move your foot? What, what does it feel like? Can you find words for that? And, that's, and the, that is always kind of the fun challenge 
because I had found one of the roadblocks I needed to overcome Mm -hmm. was to be able, and I call it thinking without words. Mm -hmm. And now having to put words back into, and even thinking without words is, you're not thinking in your brain, you're, you're thinking in your gut or you're feeling in your gut. Perfect. And, um, it's, it's energetic. It's, you know, it's almost kind of like use the force Luke. Um, <laughs> for lack 100%. of, it, it, you know, yeah, I don't have lightning bolts coming out of my fingers and I can't lift a TIE fighter or whatever, but there, there, <laughs> there, there's that perception that, you know, I think George Lucas was on it and I know it kind of goes back to ancient Chinese um, medicine and utilizing chi and all of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely an energetic feel and you just feel it. Yes. And words really get in the way of it. Yes. And, and so, and, and horses aren't thinking in words. I mean, I think, I mean, animal communicators can, you know, horses can use words. I mean, I've seen studies and I mean, this is a scientific study. So I know it's a lot deeper than that, but horses can understand multi, I mean, as many words, if not more than a chimpanzee. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, yeah, they know words. They can, they can, you know, an animal communicator can translate from images and, and feelings into words and all of that. But, you know, when it comes down to the root of it, it, it is, you know, horses, every action they have is based on how they're feeling. And, and so, you know, how much of that horse is in, their, in the present, you know, the here and now, you know, people always talk about, well, horses are, you know, in the present, they're in the here and now. And I'm like, yeah, they are, unless they've been traumatized or been seriously messed up by another human. Then we've got layers and layers and layers of stuff that we're going to have to feel our way through, not think our way through. And, and that's, you know, I think in one way I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm a lefty. Mm. So, I mean, my brain is flipped anyhow. Mm. So I'm more on the creative, you know, um, the music side, the art side, Mm. the feel side. You know, so I'm a lefty and I can sit, you know, growing up, you know, it was kind of, you know, geez, why am I a left-hander? Everyone else is right-handed and I'm trying like trying to learn things and it's just, and then, yeah. So, but, you know, down the line, it's like, oh, wait a minute, this was a gift, mm. you know, being left-handed, my brain is flipped mm. and, and it really helps. And I think that was a gift. It helps, you know you know, I'm keeping the left side, that analytical thinking, you know, scientific side of the brain is not dominant over the feeling, artistic, you know, creative, empathic side. Yes. And I think that does help get into the guts. And, and, you know, and again, you're talking masculine versus femininity too. I mean, there's, I think it's a a different set too, you know, the whole testosterone versus estrogen. I I mean, all the animal communicators and those that are other than myself. So I kind of feel like, well, myself and maybe Mark Rashid, there are very few men 
that are over here on the empathic feeling side of it. And there's probably others, but you know, the ones, you know, I think of, you know, Temple Grand and I think of, um, oh, shoot, I'm just drawing a blank. Um, she does the chair challenge. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of women working with horses that are in the much more um, feel side of it and caring side of it and empathic, if not telepathic side of it. But so it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful to draw all of that out. And um, it all to me speaks to the, the evolution of human, our relationship with the horses is about our own self-awareness. You know, yeah. the, the feel is there, the, intui the intuition, we are wired to be intuitive creatures, whether we're predominantly left brain, right brain, whatever. And, and just like, you know, any, anything else, individuals are at a different level of clarity and awareness with that ability. Not, not everybody is meant to be where you and Mark Rashid are, whether they're female or male. And not everybody is, is you know, here to express a, a profound gift of um, em empathic communication or telepathic communication, but it does exist within all of us. And so to me, the, the conversation about feel, when to move my feet, how can, you know, and, and why is that horse moving their feet? It, the conversation is entirely about my own self-awareness, listening to what's true in my own body so that I can be right in the same space, place, and time with the individual in front of me. And, um, and it is a feel thing. That's, that's what horses to me, uh, you know, horses are a profound gift to me for exactly that reason, because for whatever reason, I'm also wired to be in that space that they create. And, um, and it, again, it's, it's about self-awareness. When you're working with a horse that everybody else says can't be touched, is untrainable, is dangerous, but what they really need is somebody to listen, not tell them who they are or how to be different. And, yeah. and that listening comes from me being aware of myself. Yeah. And the more, you know, I, I do probably a 20 minute Qigong routine before I go and come in and spend time with the horses. And that's just to get my breathing regulated and, to, mm -hmm. you know, help center myself and help, you know, get my, you know, I, I, I say I, I get myself that I am in a touchable and trustworthy place. And that, that's brilliant, actually, because it that's speaking to vulnerability, isn't it? Being yeah. touchable. It's yeah. it's like saying, here I am. I'm right here. This is me. See what you need to see because it's all there. And I'm available to move with you. Yeah, and then we can have a, a conversation that may or may not involve some movement. Mm. And sometimes we may just, you know, just stand 10 feet apart and that's it. And right. other, other times I might be, you know, 
giving them a, a pretty good, you know, itch and scratch on their neck or their chest or whatever. And, but it all depends, you know, on the horse and the situation and so many other variables, but you've, you've just got to kind of, you know, I think this goes back to being right brained and left handed Mm. and and having a musical background that's kind of in jazz Mm. and you just learn to improvise but improvised can make beautiful music and sometimes you're like oh well that was interesting or or what have you and and being able to improvise you really truly do have to be in the moment in the here and now and you've you've got to be aware of you know, in this case with a horse, you've got an energetic musician with you. They're making music with their energy. And it may be very calming music like you'd hear from, you know, um, singing bowls or, you know, maybe a, a real gentle tribal drum or something like that. Um, you know, and, and most people want to have this, you know, I, I see some training sessions that looks like a mosh pit. <laughs> right. you know? I'm like what in the world are you doing you know mosh pit with the trainer and the horse but i'm like holy cow you know we don't need to be listening to metallica um so no knock against metallica there's times i like metallica but not when i'm training parts not when i'm working with horses exactly you know if i have background music it's you know singing bowls or tribal flutes or drums or you know something more you know organic and and healing so yeah a lot of it is improvisational and and when you're starting with improv it's it's kind of simple and and as you progress you know it it can really become quite a dance you know I, I could bring to Hotepe in here and we could just do an at liberty dance and none of it would be mapped out i won't be using sticks or anything it's just right. me and her and it'll turn out pretty cool right. and i will be literally right at her shoulder and people are like that's way too dangerous you know she's doing walk trot canter and you're right next to her and i'm like yeah i know where i'm at she knows where she's at we're okay exactly you know exactly that's again, exactly that's you know I mean, even some of the best Liberty performers, it's it's still kind of choreographed. They have their routine. Exactly. And, you know, they're still using, you know, the sticks to give them arm extensions and all of that. Yeah. So, yep. me, and I'm just 20 pounds overweight and 54 years old, you know, going <laughs> to be doing this stuff. And it works. It just works. Works. It's amazing what genuine can accomplish, you know? And and I think one of the, uh, holy cow, I'm looking at this going out here to horses now. I mean, they're just, they're all just sacked out. (laughs) And Annie's dumped one of the 100-gallon water tubs. Thank you, Annie. But anyhow, but there's, you know, I think one of the other things that kind of hit me five years ago when I started really, I mean, exclusively working with Mustangs, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just wanted to get back to that 
that feel and that touch I had when I was in elementary school with a mammoth burrow and a retired barrel racing horse. And it was like, we just did stuff, you know? Yes. It wasn't like, oh, I, we've got to do, you know, these seven games and we've got to do this and we've got to, you know, it was just like, you know, with, with old Ed, the mammoth burrow, you just climbed up on his back and you went, you know? Um, no, nothing. I mean, true Liberty on, on a mammoth burrow. And he was like 15 hands tall and he did not trust adults probably because he had bad experiences with adults, it but was, he was exactly. great with kids yeah. and he was just my best buddy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Taffy, who was my retired, um, barrel racing horse was a real small quarter horse, probably 13 hands tall, mm-hmm. but man, we would just saddle up and we'd go all day. And, and most of the times I just had the reins draped over the saddle horn and we went, you know, it was just, you know, and I wasn't a bit or anything. I just had a halter and, and a couple of makeshift reins and, you know, an old U saddle that, you know, fit her pretty well. It was what she used for um, <laughs> barrel racing, but, yeah. you know, just a kid and a horse and right. we just went. Right. And we did stuff and we did stuff we probably shouldn't have, but we did it. Because it because didn't matter it, at that point. It didn't matter. And we didn't know that we weren't supposed to be able to do that. Well, and therein lies, you know, where the the influence of the mind and what we've been taught we should want, what we've mm-hmm. been, been taught is correct, that, you know, we're forced in, in human society to... Um, re-regulate and conform ourselves in survival of human society and it it becomes unconscious those patterns you know this is you know so many people are aware now of how humans have unconscious thought patterns that actually are projected out as energy and create the world around them there's there's plenty of information and people teaching that side of things at the moment Um, but again, this is one of the reasons why I think horses are coming to the forefront in so many different realms of life for people is because of that purity of their their genuineness. There is no pretense. And that presence in space reminds humans, it, it like a tuning fork, reactivates mm-hmm. that feeling of genuineness within humans. And, um, and acknowledges and says yes yes that is you that feeling right there that's the feeling where you and i can really truly dance and um that again whether it's corporate things or therapy things or rescuing whatever horses have this innate connection with people and i think that's a big part of it is reminding people who they really are yeah, and it's I think this whole pandemic thing we're going through is such an eye opener. Yes. For so many of us. And in many ways I think the coronavirus hi Bailey's. Hi, sweetie girl. The coronavirus is very much so you know, I'm going to use a really rough analogy here. The coronavirus is like a helicopter to a Mustang. <laughs> yes. And just for anybody that's like listening that doesn't get that 
people use helicopters to round up wild horses and and capture them and it's really really harsh but please go ahead um and 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 i will say it depends on who's piloting the helicopter there are some out there that do an incredible job at it mm. and it, again it's just like training some have the touch and some don't right. and the ones that don't you know it's just train wrecks waiting to happen right. um but you know take take rango let's 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 put rango in context of the coronavirus okay. rango was a wild horse on the little book cliffs up until 2018 when he was rounded up um it was an emergency gather and truly that was the worst drought colorado seen in over 50 years it was a necessary gather mm. there's there's no ands ifs or buts about it but he spent the first eight years of his life out in the wild you know 30 40 thousand acres to just roam and call his own and you know he had his mares and he had his children and all of that changed one day in September of 2018. Now that 30, 30 some thousand acres that he was on, known as the Little Book Cliffs, now he was in a holding pen. Mm. Now he was down to maybe a 200 by 200 foot um, holding pen. So, I mean, that's just like us when, you know, we hear on the news now the governor's like, everybody needs to stay home. Um, right. you, you can go get groceries when you need to, but stay home. Um, and that's very much, again, like a horse, even take it from that, take a wild horse that now goes to a place where he or she is relegated to a 20 by 20 stall in a barn right. and gets an hour of turnout every day. With no touching and no stretching and no... Um no space to actually naturally express themselves. Yeah, and blow off steam and just, right. you know, enjoy being a horse. Right. And, and that's why I have as open, I mean, even my shelter, it's 12 feet up there. I mean, there's, there's one block there, but it's, it's open. If it's not open, the horses aren't going to use it at all because right. they feel claustrophobic. And, and so many ways what, us as a human race now are going through with the stay at home and quarantine and you know we can't see grandma over at the nursing home because that's completely locked down mm -hmm. you know we, you got people that are stuck in foreign countries because they can't fly back to the states because you know you can't you know yeah. international travel has been right. shut down and and so that's someone that say hey you're in Peru and you speak English and you don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. so, so now you're thousands of miles from what used to be normal for you and you don't even speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to stay in your hotel room or you know cottage or wherever you had for lodging. And, yeah, you're and so expected that, to conform, yes. You know, everything that you knew is now unknown and everything that was unknown is now the known and it's 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 a lot yes yes and most of these horses do as well as they do going through that transition is pretty amazing i think a lot of them are doing better than we do with this whole coronavirus thing absolutely well and therein too is a difference 
a big difference between animal consciousness and human consciousness that, mm -hmm. you know, animals don't sit all day and ruminate on everything they have an opinion about and whether this is good or bad, whether, you know, so-and-so in that seat of the office should have made this decision or that, and then spend our, <clears throat> our <clears throat> excuse me, our time in our heads thinking about what we think about, you know, think, thinking about what we think about, having opinions, and having all those opinions interfere with our gut feel, with our genuineness. And horses and animals, on the other hand, they don't spend time making opinions about things. They simply are saying, here's how it feels. I'm stressed. This is stressful. This is stressful. But without the opinions, they're also available to adjust to their situation differently than if they were thinking about what could be better. Do you, does that make sense, what I'm it, saying? It does make sense, and I'll, I'll use Rango. He kind of came in as we were discussing this, kind of mm -hmm. like he was affirming that we're, we're onto something here. Mm -hmm. But you look at a horse, and you look, I mean, he's breathing nice and deep. You see all the way back to the back of his rib cage, he's breathing. He's breathing deeply. He's really in here. But when you look at a horse, their power comes from the hind end and moves forward. Uh, massive muscles in those, leg, in those legs. But all of that, I mean, horse is truly gut first. Mm -hmm. Everything is guts, then lungs. So you're talking food, water, air, then heart, because food, water, air all support the heart, and then the mind. And humans tend to go the totally opposite direction. We will go mind first, heart second, food, water, air last. Although any of us after two minutes, you know, <laughs> you go two minutes without air and we're like, oh, well, maybe need to rethink this right. you know? so I kinda, you know, biologically we need to breathe and then we need to drink and then we need to eat and all of those three all of that supports you know the heart and the mind mm -hmm. but it truly it all comes from the gut and and these horses are so you know feeling is truly in the gut some people say feeling is in the heart I think emotions are in the heart. And again, I'm no expert on this. I think true feeling is in your gut, your gut wisdom, your heart is your feelings, your, your emotional feelings. And that's where a lot of people can get messed up because they, you know, there's a confusion between lust and love. Um, there's a confusion, you know, a lot of people don't understand what passion is. Mm -hmm. they, they confuse passion with lust. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot, of, but when you, if, if you stay in the gut and those rudimentary foundational emotions, I say you cannot have love without a good gut and your gut is your foundation. And if you don't have a good gut and a good foundation, your thoughts will collapse, your heart will collapse emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally. You, yeah, the, there, it, it's definitely this, the seat 
of stability in the physical body. Mm -hmm. It's really where um, you will be able to notice a change in sense and feel and you know how how people relate to all of those changes and to their own experience of emotions and what they've been taught the heart is what they've been taught emotions are um it it's always going to come back to the physical body because we're physical so are horses and this is why i think uh so uh, yes to everything that you said and the more we each um, spend time prioritizing our own awareness for our gut, for our heart, for our awareness of how our senses provide us information and communicate. That's where we can actually show up and be genuine because we're no longer hiding in our mind from what we actually experience and what we actually feel. And that the um this is why one of the things i love to share with people like to help their mind is watch your body mind find the body because the body is the part of you that is in the present moment whether your head is there or not your cells are actually right here all the time and so when you make the priority of of being aware of what your body is up to then you can be congruent you can be present in the here and now and that's i think what practice is like the qigong and all the i mean all of the you know hundreds of different practices that people can do to bring their awareness to their physicality and their actual communication it, it like it doesn't matter what path you take just take a step and start walking yeah you know and um and being with the horses is is a sublime way to get experience being acknowledged who, for who you are and what you do, because they will always recognize you, your genuineness when you show up with it, you know? Yeah, very true. And just, yeah, you know, find something that resonates with you. Um, but again, the, the, the better you are at being you, you know, the better you're going to be with horses. And, and, and that, you know, the horse, horses, you know, they don't, they don't care if you're driving, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollar Porsche or, uh, you know, a thousand dollar 20 year old Mercury. Um, <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, yeah. right? You know, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love my 20 year old Mercury. It's still good for five miles per gallon. And, insurance is $42 a month on it. So yeah, it allows me more money for the horses. So again, priority. Um, but um, it's, yeah, there's, they're just kind of, the better you become at being you, the true you, the better the horses are going to be with the true you. Not the, not the pretenses. They don't care what you're wearing, what you're driving. You know, latest hairstyle or not, hairstyles have gone out the window right. the past month or two. Right. <laughs> right. And they also don't care what system of training you use, because if you're being genuine to yourself, you're going to choose what actually works, what's actually yeah. effective. 
Well, and if you just take a little time to listen to your horse too, when we're back to listening again, yeah. you know, if, if the horse is, you know, I see this all the time on these, you know, Facebook forms and stuff. Well, my horse is doing this. What do I need? You know, and it's just like, well, they're telling you something, just slow down and listen, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using blah, blah, blah method. And my horse wants to jump out of the round pen. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Well, maybe look at a different method. Exactly. Let's have or a look maybe, at that. Yeah. Or maybe approach it differently or something, you know, and agendas horses, you know, don't bring an agenda. Um, you know, we all want our horses, you know, goals and 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 um milestones and all that i mean that's very human mm -hmm. um horses just yeah hey sweet girl yeah see she's still she, she's got stuff in her past and it's okay it's okay it's okay good job so there now she's present but that was you know she's she she comes forward but she still, she's got something rooted in her past mm -hmm. um, because her ears go back. Those aren't, those aren't um, angry ears. Those are just, I'm just trying to work through stuff in my past to get yes. back to the present. Yes. And, and Is really that, stepping into the courage. Yeah. To, and now it, she's, mm -hmm. there's something in the past. She's back there thinking on it, mm -hmm. but, but she, she's showing up. Yeah. And, and when she comes back to the present, now she's actually trying to sniff me. Hey, sweetie girl. What a good girl. So again, I can't get it all on the camera. Yeah. So her ears just came forward and now I'll back out. Cause I'm like, okay, you, I'll, I'll stand here with you. And I don't feel threatened with her ears where they're at right there. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now she's come back to the present. And now I'm like, okay, I'll move away a little bit. I'm like, I'm kind of just saying, hey, you know what? I understand you got some stuff going on. And I'm, I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. and, and when you come back to the present, then, then I'm going to walk away a little bit. I'm still staying in this conversation, but I'm going to walk away a little bit and give you a little more space. But she's the one that closed the gap, not me. Yes. And, and that's where the touchable and approachable part comes in. You know, and I'm not bring, when people, when they want to touch a horse, especially a wild horse, that's on their agenda. I've got to touch the horse. I've got to touch the horse. I've got to touch the horse. And now you've got like this, the opposite energy being projected from you at the horse. And the horse is sitting there going, well, why the hell do you want to touch me? Why the hell do you want to touch me? Why the hell do you want to touch me? And, and then they start going into flight. And again, it's like, okay, how about if I want the horse to touch me? Mm. And, and I'm wearing a fire hose jacket in case she, and, and Mustangs are very mouthy. Um, but this jacket, if she wants to chew on my arm, since I'm wearing this jacket, that's okay. And you know, most people would say, oh, that's disrespectful. You've got to beat your horse back if they do that. And I'm like, no, you don't. She is so curious. She is so wanting and willing. And and I still have that reflex to withdraw. Of course. That. And and that's even, you know, knowing that I, I need to keep my arm there present and, and allow her. I mean, that 
I'm better when I'm not in a conversation with another person. Well, of course. So, but again, I mean, at least she's given us some good examples here. Most definitely. And the other thing I want to point out too, is when you step back, you are not disconnecting your energy. You're not withdrawing your own presence. You're moving your physical body to communicate. I hear you, but you're not withdrawing your presence. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's partly just saying, Hey, okay, you're back in, you know, I'm staying here close with you as you're working through stuff that's behind you. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, behind her in time and emotions and, you know, something stuck in her somewhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's a killpin horse and she's, she was rescued and blessed the two rescues that had her. They really took good care of her. I mean, she is incredible physical condition, Yeah. but they, you know, she's been to at least two trainers. I believe I'm the third since she was rescued last September. And again, it's, it, and the trainers are good trainers, but they're trying to train and they're not working on the connection. Right. And there, it's such a distinction. Um, and again, like you said, bless everybody for where they are because they're by and large doing the very best that they can. And, and there is a, a wave that's moving humanity through this virus, through everything, to a place of listening differently, not only to one another, but to ourselves so that we can be with one another. And it's, the, there's one more little distinction I wanna make, and then I wanna see if there's anything you'd like to add before we wrap up. But um, a lot of people, when, with what you were just talking about with Miss Bailey's, recognizing that she was listening to something in her past, a lot of people would say that that's holding space for the horses. And I bring this up because holding space has become a sort of a blanket terminology. <clears throat> and what I'm yep. watching you do is not holding space. You're actually engaged. You're engaging and you're communicating. You, you, you're not putting yourself as some neutral entity that says you do what you do i'll be right here and mm -hmm. it's okay with me whatever you do but i'll be right here you're you're very engaged you're very present you're communicating your presence and that's very different than holding space is is that how you feel about it too or is it different for you? yeah it's yeah i mean there is when when she's working through whatever you know her ears are back not pinned yeah but back yeah um I am just kind of like, okay, I'm here year, I'm here, I mean, I'm deep within her energy bubble, yeah. and, and, and I'm, you know, and I'm just going by the heart math stuff of, you know, 25 to 30 feet on a horse and 5 to 10 feet on a human, right. but I mean, that our energy bubbles are well within each other, so it's like, okay, I'm, there's more than holding space here, we're sharing energy, we are blending energy, um, and again, that goes into the qigong and the qi and, and all of that stuff. Right. Um, ho holding space is when I'm sitting at this chair and Bailey's is having lunch and, and we just kind of have a little lunch interaction. That's kind of holding space. We're just kind of like, we're sharing a meal together. It's mm. kind of like, you know, but if I'm in here, 
we're having a conversation and a conversation needs to be two ways. Yes. And, and a respectful conversation can mean that one or the other is holding space while the other is, is, is talking. And it's not, you know, language talking, that's energetic talking, that's feel, it's, it's all of that. Yes. So, and again, it's, it's hard to hold space if you want to be dancing. Right. And, and it's, it's we're, you know, it's slow dancing. But, you know, it's kind of like holding space is when you're in middle school and you're the guy and you're out there with a girl and, you know, you're okay when, um, you know, Billy Idol's playing and, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it switches over to Journey and you're like, oh crap, I just got caught in a slow song. And, <laughs> and, and the guy goes into freeze and the guy goes into freeze and now you are holding space and the girl <laughs> dancing with is like, dude, what happened? I'm like. <laughs> I'm holding space. It's a slow song. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, again, and then the girl's like, man, you suck at slow dancing. So, so I'm out. I, yeah. So, you know, it's like you still slow dancing is still <laughs> slow dancing. But, you know, sometimes it's so slow that one of you is holding space for the other. But, you know, it's, you know, holding space is a part of it. But, you know, there's so much more and, and there's so many nuances and it, it just all, you know, with, with me, Qigong has really resonated and understanding the, you know, the sharing of, of Qi between beings. And, and I'm pretty sure that George Lucas based the force on, you know, Qi. Yeah. He just took it to the Hollywood extremes, but, right. um, but yeah, so yeah there's so much more than holding space and and there might be times i might come over here and have the mounting block and sit on it for a while or whatever but i just you know there's a time and a place for all of it but most of the time i want to be able to truly interact with the horse which and, and, is and a con constant invitation for you to bring yourself forward mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And and so, well, hi, darling. Sweet you came girl. back. Well, um, I could have this conversation forever, um, but <laughs> in the interest of time for today's conversation anyway, is there anything that you would like to share or say or ask before we're, we're, we wrap up for today? Silly girl. Um, you know, I guess... Put the watch away, put the calendar away, put, you know, your agendas away if, if you're working with a wild horse and, and just be with them. And being does require some doing, but um, it, it's not, you know, how do I make my horse do this? How do I make my horse do that? Um, it's more like, well, what can we do together? Mm -hmm. And and you can do so much together without having, you know, Miss Bailey's, when the rescues took her to the vet and they had to put her in a squeeze chute um, to get all her, her shots and have blood drawn for a Coggins test and, you know, blood work and make sure she was healthy. Their thought was, well, let's get a halter on her so that she'll be easier to handle. Um, yes. Yeah, halter right. should not be a priority. Earn that halter. 
So, you know, now I'm having to earn her trust to get the halter off. And because that halter was put on her without trust being earned, it's going to be, you know, a little bit longer haul to get that halter off of her. If, if the halter was off of her, I'd have her out here for a couple of weeks with the entire herd because that's what she really needs is some herd time and more time with the Mustangs. And, you know, I, I rotate a, you know, a suitable horse in on a weekly basis or so. And that's why Ryan goes in here now. But, you know, it's don't, you know, be on that thought of what, what can I do to this? What can I make this horse do? Is what can we do together? And from day one, from having a wild horse, there's things you can do together. And again, make sure that it's together. Because everything a wild horse, when they're out in the wild, it's about together. You know, they have their bands and they're together. You know, they eat together, they drink together, they seek safety together. Um, it's it's so they, they want it together. Yes. They want it a partnership and 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 partnership is something that, you know, partnership is not a dictatorship. Partnership is a partnership. It's a two-way street. And sometimes you may want to do something with your horse and your horse is like, not today, let's do something else. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you want it to do? What can we do together? And then you do the shift and you do that. Mm-hmm. And and down the line will be the point. It's like you can just walk up with a saddle, saddle up your horse and go for a nice ride. Right. Because they're like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. But in the beginning, you know, you got a ways to go to get there. And mm-hmm. and your horse may want to be like, you know what, I just want to, you know, eat blueberries with you or whatever. Exactly. So, and really sharing food is such, you know, whatever the species is, sharing food is um, just a foundational, fundamental way to express and communicate and, together. And, and I not treat training. Right. I will not treat train because if I treat train, I have 14 other Mustangs out there that would maul me. Anytime I went out there because they would be expecting a treat. But if we share lunch together or we share dinner together and you're a little upset with Annie over there. Oh, better with me. Thank you. Um, But (laughs) she's having a conversation. Annie and her are having a conversation. Yes. Yes. So now Annie's moved off. Annie's going to pee. Don't you see that on camera? But anyhow, it's, <laughs> you share, it's, it's just like a human relationship. <clears throat> yes. You know, if you and I were, you know, hypothetically, if you and I were dating, mm-hmm. I would not hand you a blueberry every time you did something right. <laughs> Priceless, yes. <laughs> now, we could go to Cold Stone and, and get a blueberry sundae and share that. Right. And that's a shared experience, and it's a very pleasant shared experience because we're sharing blueberries and ice cream together. That's pretty high up on the list. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have a pocket full of blueberries, right. you know. And, and it's like I look at that with horses, too. I mean, I understand tree training can work and all these yeah. other training methodologies, but they're kind of superficial. They're really yeah. superficial. 
Well, and you know, I, I do want to just say right there that all, all the different methodologies exist because they reach human minds at mm -hmm. a certain place, right? Right. And it, there are certain things that are going to unlock a human's capacity to, to feel, to even be, be safe feeling or to even be safe exploring these thoughts, right? So like, it's not to say that dominance is the devil. It's not to say that training is the devil. The whole point to me of the conversation is about recognizing we're all headed to the place of connection and feel and listening. And yeah. when you make that your priority, it becomes easier to recognize what method might help you progress. And yep. now did you see that little conversation between Rango and Annie? Yes. They're between a pen, Rango. That was just a look, and he moved Annie off, and the conversation is done. It would have been the same whether that panel was there or not. Yes. I'm just saying, you know, so that, you know, you don't need to be running a horse around and around and around in circles to get your point across. Exactly. Well, and he's clear in his point, so it's easy mm -hmm. to know when it's time to stop because yeah. I won't take it, right? That's exactly. the yourself. That's, that's the self-awareness part. Here's what I want to communicate. You've recognized my communication. Thank you very much. Next. And, um, but yeah. it is for, for humans with horses, the dance, the, there must be a priority of self-awareness in the dance so that we're not unconsciously putting all the pressure on the horse to figure out what's right and what's wrong, you know, and, mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's a subtle thing, but it, like you said before, it's subtle, but it's profound and um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. George, thank you so much for sharing yeah. and um, thank you. Yeah. For doing this out with the ponies and um, I'll look forward to our next conversation for sure. Absolutely. And let me know when you're, your blog, your video blog yeah. goes live and I'll make sure to share it out. You got it. You got it. So relevant. My friend, have a beautiful day. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. You bet. Thanks. Have a great time. Yep.
Story starts today.